The Explore Oregon podcast is brought to you by the Statesman Journal, newspaper of Salem in the state capital since 1851. I'm your host, Zach Ernest, and in each episode, producer David Davis and I highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. In this edition, we're welcoming a special guest to talk about all the great things you can do around Willamette Pass. So it's in the winter and in the summer, in the snow and in the water, we'll cover it all. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. All right, David, so this is a special day here on the Explore Oregon podcast because we are joined by Francesca Weinheimer. She's the owner and operator of the website hikeoregon.net. You can also find her on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook by searching Hike Oregon. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. All right, in this episode, we're going to go ahead and pick out some of the best things to do on Oak Ridge and Willamette Pass. But before we get to our favorite places to hike, ski, and paddle, we wanted to learn a little bit more about Hike Oregon. So what can folks find there? So Hike Oregon is a online hiking and backpacking resource. On the website, people can find detailed hike write-ups, uh, lots of photos of the trails. I take photos of um, all the signage, what the trailhead looks like, as well as pictures of flora and fauna in the area. And on the YouTube channel, uh, people can find educational things. For example, I have a three-part Backpacking for Beginners series, Backpacking in the Winter series. I test out a lot of gear um, and review the gear on the channel as well, and I educate people on Leave No Trace. Cool. So one thing, uh, I've been reading your stuff for you know a couple years now, and I enjoy that you do have a lot of pictures, like all the little details that... that a lot of people like are curious about. I feel like that's something a lot of people leave out. Yeah. And when you're yeah. plunked down in a new place, you know, those details can really sort of point you in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Like especially trail junctions like that aren't mentioned, like you got good pictures of those. So but you know, there's also an enthusiasm for it. So I guess I was curious what inspired you to not only, you know, do this amount of hiking, but also get the the website started. Like, where's where's that passion coming from? Yeah, so um, I started hiking and backpacking when I was a small child. My dad always took me in the summers. And, um, you know, as I became older, those trips kind of uh, died down and years of adulting, you know, didn't have much time and um, money and stuff like that. And then in my early 20s, I kind of uh, battled some years of depression. And uh, one day I just, I went out on a hike with my siblings and it was kind of the light at the end of the tunnel for me. And I was totally hooked on hiking. So uh, from there, I tried to like hike every single weekend and just get out there. And I was uh, going off of an old Sullivan guidebook. I think it was like his first or second edition of the Central Cascades book. Mm-hmm. And um, I found myself wanting more information about the hikes. I wanted more pictures. I wanted to see, you know, a lot of these areas are so remote and I wanted to see when I get there, what the heck does the trailhead look like? Mm -hmm. Is there signage? Sometimes there isn't Um, and stuff like that. And so after about a year of hiking and really wanting more info, I knew I couldn't be the only one struggling with this. So I decided to kind of create that resource um, by myself. So every time I went on one of these hikes, I would make sure to take all the you know, necessary photos, of the signage and detailed flora and fauna photos. And um, then I would put it up on the website and it kind of just grew from there. So. so tell us a little bit about your book, 52 Hikes for 52 Weeks. 
Yeah, so <laughs> that also was created um, because there was a need for something that I found didn't exist yet. Um, over my years of hiking and creating the Hike Oregon community, I hear the same thing like every year. Uh, we have amazing summer and fall hiking seasons, but once winter hits, no one knows where the heck to hike. They're like, basically people stop hiking altogether. So <laughs> um, I thought it would be cool to create a book where I feature one hike that is perfect for that one week of the year. So um, yeah, even if you don't hike every single week, just having the book broken down by season makes it super easy and takes away that uh, planning aspect mm -hmm. of things. And Oregon's great for that too, isn't it? Just because it's so specific yep. to like whether it's different elevations, yep. whether it's like what like you know the coast range is great in spring, exactly. but you know the lower elevation cascades are great in autumn. So I mean, yep. did you have fun like figuring that out? Like, what was your process there? Totally, yeah. Um, I'm. I think I'd been hiking for about four years, pretty consistently every single weekend um, when I decided to create the book, and so I had a lot of hikes to choose from, and. Um, I just kind of went through each season and looked at, you know, what's growing, what's flowering, um, are there mosquitoes there during that time? You know, there's like just a certain elevation that you want to avoid for about two months out of the year uh, because of mosquitoes. So, and then of course the coast, like you said, is great in like January and February. It's almost always like 55 degrees and sunny yeah. over there in January. So. It was it was a lot of fun just trying to pick those hikes. It's almost like a puzzle, like trying to oh, trying totally to, trying to figure out like what's the perfect hike yep. <laughs> for the second week in February. Exactly, it was it was. All right, so let's go ahead and get to the big show. We've done this before, but here's how it kind of goes. Our two experts will take turns picking their favorite places and kind of things to do in the Wyoming Pass. This can be, of course, as Zach said, summer or winter. It can be on the trail, water, bike, skis. It's wide open. So they'll basically draft their own little fantasy team of great outdoor adventures. <laughs> but before we get started, what made you guys kind of pick Wyoming Pass in particular? So for me, it's, you know, I don't know it as well as you do, but I really like that it's open year-round. Like, there's good stuff to do there. You, there's good, all good stuff to do there. So there's whitewater and flatwater kayaking. There's wilderness trails. There's mountain biking. There's really good winter recreation. And basically, it checks every box. But mostly, I think I love this area because it's home to what I consider Oregon's best mountain lakes. So I'm going to be talking a lot about water-based recreation, but I have to mention here off the top that it's home to Odell Lake. And for those of you who were a child in the 90s, it, it is the namesake for the glorious computer game that it was one of the first computer games. It ended up in all these grade schools. It was a lot like Oregon Trail. And in this one, you were basically a fish in Odell Lake and you could eat another fish or you could run away. Or sometimes if you tried to eat another fish, you get caught by an angler. It was super simple, but kind of amazing. Any you guys? Yeah, so so this is one of those like very first attempts to marry learning with like computer games. <laughs> yeah. And when you didn't have time for a full round of Oregon Trail, yeah. like Odell Lake was your go-to. <laughs> and so really when you drive by the bank on there on Highway 58, you'll now know why that name sounds familiar. Yeah. And that's how it worked for me. I was like, oh, I was like, wait a second. It's that place? <laughs> Light bulb. Oh yeah, it was so Did you play it? I have not heard of this. No. 
Really? I played Oregon Trail, but I've not heard of the you, game you're talking about. I don't think about. it quite was as famous. Yeah. So okay. It, yeah, okay. but it was around. It was the lesser <laughs> version. I loved it more than Oregon Trail, honestly. I would sit there and just, like, play it over and over. It's like Interesting. So you would get to be, like, a stir... Like, at the beginning of each round, you would get to be, like, a specific kind of fish. <laughs> yeah. And, like, the bigger the fish, the more other fish you could eat. Got so it. you would you'd go to, like, get to eat them. So if you were the sturgeon, you were like, yes, I can eat, like, all these other fish. But if you were the little guy, like, you had to constantly run away. Right, right. But there was the ever-present threat of yeah. the osprey like, <laughs> coming down oh, and picking you out oh of gosh. the water and eating oh gosh. you. Yeah, and, that was and you can't see the osprey because no. yeah. it's... Exactly. It was kind of unfair. It was like in Oregon Trail when, like, all of a sudden your like you thing just like bursts into flames, and you're yeah. like, "How did that happen? I didn't do anything." Like that was the osprey <laughs> destroying <laughs> lives. Okay, enough millennial nostalgia here. What go what stands out to Willamette Pass for you? So Oak Ridge and Willamette Pass area really feels like home to me. Um, it's where I do the majority of my hiking when I want to stick closer to the Eugene area, which is where I reside. And, uh, you know, it's an hour and a half. I can be skiing, snowshoeing in the winter. And then in the summer, I can just escape the heat of the valley by going to one of my favorite mountain lakes and taking a swim. There's just so much to do there. So it's um, kind of your backyard. Totally. Yeah. And and many of the hikes there are really underrated, I find. Um, not very many people know about a lot of the trails or the many hidden lakes there. So I find that 90% of the time I don't see anyone when I go there. So I'm curious as to why. Is it because the McKenzie area just drives the bulk of the traffic and that's where people sure. always go? I'm like, really I'm not. It's mind-blowing to me that like 90% of the time I don't see anyone on these trails because they're so stunning. Yeah. And... Um, because I think you can really make the argument that yeah. Willamette Pass is better than, like, the McKenzie area yeah. in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And But it does seem like it's, like, almost, like, 80-20 mm-hmm. um, as far as, I like, agree. the amount of people out there. Yep. All right. We're going to go ahead and get started. Per tradition, we'll flip a coin to see who gets first. So, Francisco, heads or tails? Uh, tails. <laughs> Gracefully <laughs> done. Is, yeah. Zach, it was heads, so go ahead and go first. All right. So, in the first pick... In the 2019 Willamette Pass Outdoor Recreation Destination draft here, I'm going to go Waldo Lake first. And it just seems like the sort of like obvious like first round draft pick for me because if I had to pick like one place, like not just on Willamette Pass, but across Oregon to spend like a week or a month, I have trouble not going with Waldo Lake. And it's just because it has everything. Most people know about the, the water's clarity. It's one of the clearest lakes in the world really beyond imagination like being in the world's largest swimming pool without the chlorine you can see 100 feet down people know all that but the thing i love about it is it has everything it's got a great mountain biking trail around the rim there's wilderness trails that head up into remote areas to like uh fire lookouts and then there's my favorite thing which is paddling and we did a podcast specifically on it, so I'm not going to go too much into detail, but you can load up your canoe or your kayak and paddle to these hidden campsites just like around the shoreline. It offers this great adventure. You know, it's the second largest lake in Oregon, and you can just get lost in there, find all these cool things. I don't know. What do you like about Waldo Lake? Uh, Well, I actually did the trail that goes all the way around that you mentioned for mountain biking. Uh, It's 21 miles, I believe, Mm. Um, and I did it um, I hiked it all in one day, <laughs> which <Oof>. is kind <laughs> of absurd. And I don't recommend that. It's kind of <laughs> stupid. 
stupid, but (laughs) (laughs) I just like to push myself physically. But um, what I noticed when I did that is how great it would be for a first time backpacking trip because the that trail is super flat, um, not much elevation gain. There's tons of, you know, backcountry camping um, and the huckleberries are incredible there in like mid-August. Oh, my gosh, you just snack away all day long. <laughs> and I think one thing that we'd be remiss if we didn't mention is the beaches. Right? Oh my gosh. We And again, we talked about this in the last podcast, but you get there and you, you're like, hey, it's the Bahamas. Yeah, it looks tropical. <laughs> and then you get into the water and you're like, it's not the Bahamas. <laughs> but it's actually, you know, it's not bad for swimming, like and snorkeling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I went snorkeling there, it was you know, it had that Bahamas vibe to it. Because so what's the elevation there again? 5,500 yeah, 5, feet. Yeah, 55. Uh, we should also mention mosquitoes for <coughs> the sweet love of all things holy. Do not go there in, like, mid-July or something like that. Yeah, I would say, like, mid-June to... Late August. Sometimes mid-August, I mean, yeah. I, d- I just default to September yeah. every time mm-hmm. just for the sake of sanity. Have yeah. you ever had the experience of getting, like, carried off by the mosquitoes there and, like, dropped in the lake? You know, I know better than to go there during that time, uh, but I have elsewhere, yes absolutely awful especially on the pacific crest trail and it's crazy because it lives up to the hype you hear people like warning you about it and you're like "Ah, i can't be that bad and then you get there and you're like oh my this is like way worse and they're huge i don't know what makes the mosquitoes so big they eat deer up there (laughs) entire deer probably yeah (laughs) all right so uh your pick what is your first round pick here for willamette pass okay well since we're talking about big lakes uh my first pick is going to be odell lake really yeah you know it's it's definitely um less remote and less amazing than waldo lake but it has a lot to offer there is shelter cove resort which has a large campground great food Uh, cabins that you can rent, which is um, really nice in both in the summer and in the winter. It's really cozy to go up there and rent one of those cabins. And there's less people there in the winter, too. Would Um, you say, uh, being a little less remote, would you say it's probably a better family destination? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you're not um, as into, like, you know, tent camping. Roughing it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If you want to do the glamping, this is definitely the place to go. But it's still, you know, really rustic. I don't know if resort is the word I would use. I mean, that's what it's called. But resort, to me, is a little more fancy. It's definitely not that at all. Uh, But there's boating and fishing and a multitude of trails that um, lead to amazing, amazing places just right off the campground, too. So for you, is it that combination of, you know, having the nice resorts and the restaurant and then like and the amenities the, and, this, yeah. and then like coupled with the the trails and all the stuff to do there? Because I've never I've never been to I like I know it from the video game and that's yeah. it. no, it's beautiful. And it's also, like I said, beautiful in the winter. And there's less people there in the winter for sure, um, just because there's not as many like boating and fishing opportunities. Um, but like I said, you can still rent the cabins which is really romantic. Um, And then there's also a lot of like uh, cross-country skiing and snowshoeing just Mm -hmm. right from there too. All right, round two. Okay, so I'm going to go with kind of one of the real iconic experiences on Willamette Pass, I guess, which is climbing Diamond Peak or hiking to the top since you don't need ropes or anything like that. So Diamond Peak just is the major cascade peak that, you know, 
rises above Willamette Pass, 8,743 feet tall. Not, it doesn't actually crack the top 10 for the tallest peaks, but it so dominates the area that it feels like it does. And the thing that's always struck me about Diamond Peak is that it's not like that symmetrical shape the way that like Mount McLaughlin or Mount Hood or Mount Jefferson, it has this weird like jumbled mass of like plugs and peaks. It's kind of hard to pick out the summit. Like when you're up there, I think I wrote it was like, you know, being on the back of like a stegosaurus with like just like all these like weird jumble things popping off of it. Again, it's a non-technical climb, meaning you only need boots to reach the summit. You don't have to carry a rope. At the same time, there isn't like a major super highway of a trail that goes up to the top. It's an unofficial route and you have some options there. You can explore and take a little bit of a shorter route to the top that's a little steeper. It's 4,000 feet either way, but there's some different options and I like to kind of have fun scrambling and navigating to find your way to the top and then taking the... Just to emphasize, there is a section that's like a full-on scramble, isn't there? Yeah, it's a scramble. I mean, you're, you're going around the plugs and you have to use your hands and like climb over little things and stuff, but I mean, if you've made it up to that point, I'm pretty sure you're in physically good enough shape to like get around. What's these, so. your favorite trailhead to start from? So it actually plays into a place I'm going to pick later, um, but I've done it from both. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I don't like, I'm not even, I'm barely thinking think, about it in those first three miles before you get to the scramble. So I do you have a favorite? I think the Summit Lake route via PCT is easier than uh, Rock Pile. Okay. You, you gain less elevation total. Do you? That makes mm-hmm. sense. It's also, it's, it's a little bit more of a pain in the ass to get to that trailhead. Yeah. Um, but we'll yep. get to that later. So <laughs> anyway, all right. Okay. Well, since uh, I'm going to stick with view-filled hikes, since that's what we're talking about, uh, this hike is actually going to make an appearance in my next book. And so my second choice is the Twins Summit, which is right there by Waldo Lake. And this is a pretty short hike, but it is so beautiful. It's only 6.75 miles round trip, um, and you gain 1,730 feet elevation. Most of the hike takes you through like a really beautiful forest with like, you know, all the moss hanging off the trees. It's just so beautiful. Um, and the last half miles, a little bit rocky, but nothing technical or sketchy or anything like that. And then the summit is uh, 7,322 feet. And from there you can see, I mean, just 360 degree views. Like you can see uh, Waldo Lake kind of behind you. And then the view in front of you is just all of the Cascades. So from you can see all the way from Diamond Peak up to Mount Hood. Um, and then all the little lakes in between, because there's so many beautiful lakes uh, in that area. So you see just the forest dotted with blue, green, turquoise lakes. It's absolutely stunning. That's cool. So it it strikes me that, you know, if you want that big summit experience, but don't want to climb like the 4,000 feet right. to like Diamond Peak, this is, a, this exactly. is a good option. Yeah, this would be like, you know, Diamond Peak is a full day venture, like mm-hmm. definitely will take you all day. This is more like, you know, if you're camping at Waldo Lake, for example, at one of the many awesome campgrounds there, just take a little afternoon trip, maybe watch the sunset from the top there. It's absolutely stunning. So now round three. So I'm going to go with the Salt Creek and Diamond Falls area, and that's right on the highway uh, just east of Oak Ridge. The reason I'm picking it is that it's open in both winter and summer. You know, in summer, it's a really nice 
hike right off the highway, takes to two very glorious waterfalls, Salt Creek Falls, one of the tallest in Oregon. Diamond Falls, I think, is almost even a little bit better because you kind of get into this nice little canyon. You're right at the bottom of the waterfall. It's a lot more intimate there. But I also love it because, and I, I just love this detail, um, you go past a lake. It's not very impressive, but the name is super fun. It's Too Much Bear Lake. And you can probably guess why it got that official name, but I'm going to go to the source. The book I have here is Oregon Geographic Names. This is the sixth edition. I've suggested it should win the Pulitzer Prize for it's literature. It's so cool. Because if you've ever wanted to know the name of, of literally anything, so we've talked about Diamond Peak and Waldo Lake yep. so far, you can just find Odell it. Odell Lake, yep. Um, and so Too Much Bear Lake, uh, the story came from the 1920s. And a Forest Service member was building a trail from Salt Creek Falls to the newly completed Cascade Line of the Southern Pacific. So he stopped to spend the night at the lake, and not surprisingly, he came unexpectedly and unwittingly close to a large bear and promptly ran away. And later that night when they were talking about it, they were making fun of him and decided <laughs> to call it too much Bear Lake, even though there was only one bear. So I was going to say, like just one bear? one bear? Like, I would have expected, like, a, you know, <laughs> I, bears. I feel like it's one of those things where they were kind of, like, making fun of him yeah. and being like, oh, Mr. Scaredy Pants, you saw a bear. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is back in the 20s. So. Yeah, here it is, immoralized, you know. And you're not name. supposed to run away from the bear. All kinds of things wrong with this, but I, I feel like it's, like, one of those, like, inside jokes that, like, yep. ends up getting attached to a map and you can't get rid of it. It's also winter. Um, this makes a really great winter destination. You can take an easy and fun snowshoe trip to the frozen waterfall. So Salt Creek is very easy to get to. It's about a mile from the little snow park parking area. Diamond Falls is quite a bit tougher in the snow, but still doable. Plus, favorite thing for me with kids, uh, there's a little sledding hill. So you can do that like easy waterfall thing, do some sledding. And that's like, for a kid, like I have a, you know, a two and a five-year-old, mm-hmm. that's pretty, that's a, that's that's a, that's a day. Awesome. <laughs> that's, that's a full day they're going to be asleep in the car after that. Diamond Falls is really sketchy on snowshoes, FYI, because the bridge that goes oh, over right. the creek only has a handrail half of the way, yeah. like this, I think it's the second half or the first half, but it's really sketchy because you're like on this log bridge covered in snow in snowshoes, which <laughs> yeah. are awkward yeah. as heck, right? Yeah. And then the handrail just disappears halfway through and then you're over this river and... Yeah. Okay, so that that reminds me of my other favorite thing about this area, and I, <laughs> the number of warning signs on this hike is fantastic. Like, I actually asked the Forest Service about it, like, and basically they're there in lieu of like things they want to put up, like guardrails and stuff. They just haven't gotten around to it. But the number of signs, it's incredible. Like every single cliff you're about to come to, it's like there's a warning sign. It's like there is a cliff ahead, and then you get to the cliff, and they're like <laughs> cliff right here, cliff. and then another sign. It's like don't go over this cliff, please. Like <laughs> the m- amount of like I think I counted like six or seven oh warning gosh. signs. I'll have to keep an eye. It's out for those next time. Like, I just started laughing because I kept seeing so many of them and uh, was like, what's going on here? Like, nobody's have died either. Like, it hasn't, it isn't well, even that's a place. Good. It is. But it's almost like most places, like, where there's, like, excessive warning signs, it's because, like, something's happened. Right, but, right. I don't know. Good on the Forest Service, I guess. All right. Your number three pick. I'm going to pick the Pacific Crest Trail to Rosary Lakes and Maiden Peak Ski Shelter. This is one of my favorite sections of the PCT because it's awesome in both summer and winter. 
Um, most of the PCT you can't really access in the winter, so this is one of the few parts that you can. You can snowshoe just straight from um, the highway there, Highway 58, all the way to Rosary Lakes, and it's about four miles um, to the upper Rosary Lake, which makes for a, you know, eight-mile round-trip snowshoe uh, trek, and it's pretty easy, not much elevation gain. Um, and then if you really wanted to take it to the next level and go do some winter camping, or I guess glamping because you're staying in a ski shelter, uh, but it's six and a half miles up to Maiden Peak Ski Shelter. And this shelter is so awesome. It's huge. So this isn't one of the like three-sided shelters. This no, is, this is this fully, fully enclosed. enclosed. There right. is like, you know, stocked firewood. Um there's a sleeping loft. There's like a table. They have like pots and pans in there for you to use. Like it's pretty awesome. Um, I think this this winter I'm definitely gonna have to go up there and spend the night because it every time I go there it's summer and I'm like this would be cool but really cool in the winter mm -hmm. um, to head up there on either cross country skis or snowshoes. So and it's got the like the little fire burning stove and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Is oh, it? Oh yeah. Is it the first come first serve thing or is mm -hmm. it one you can? Yeah you, yeah, you don't rent it. You just yeah. go there. I mean, you'll likely share it with other people, but um, and if you're going on a clear day, make sure that. There's switchbacks switch right after um, Rosary Lake. So once you head up the switchbacks and you're at the top, make sure to look to the south because if it's a clear day, you will get an amazing view of all of the lakes. So you'll see all three Rosary Lakes, Pulpit Rock. You'll see um, Summit Lake as well as Crescent Lake there and Odell Lake. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. Man, that sounds really good. The PCT in the winter, mm -hmm. how well can you follow it? Like, are you following like the little blazes of the PCT? Did they no. mark it with the blue diamonds? Yeah, it has the blue diamonds because okay. it is a, a ski, it goes up to the ski shelter. So gotcha. it is meant for winter recreation, gotcha. that section of the PCT. But yeah, once, if you went past the Maiden Peak ski shelter, um, that's not gonna be um, and you kind of snow the friendly. Yeah. Right. yeah. All right, we've rounded the home stretch. We're on our fourth pick now. All right, so we kind of did a head fake to this place, but I did say I was going to talk about mountain lakes for canoeing and kayaking especially, so with this pick I'm going with Summit Lake, which is also a trailhead for uh, Diamond Peak Climb. So even though I picked Waldo at number one, Summit is actually my favorite lake that you can drive to out there. So. To start, it's located pretty far southeast of Oak Ridge. It's a long drive. It's kind of between Crescent Lake and Hills Creek Reservoir. And it is home to some of the worst roads in the state. I mean, truly awful. It does help keep people out, but they're just like deeply rutted up and down. I mean, I would only do it with a high clearance vehicle. A funny Forest Service guy told me a story about finding a Cadillac marooned back there oh on gosh. that road between Crescent Lake and Summit Lake no. and having to pull it out. <laughs> so oh. don't do that. Uh, don't bring a Cadillac onto this road especially. Um, Honestly, it was brutal in my Subaru cross trek. I yeah. would not recommend it even in a Subaru. Yeah. Even in that like I have a high it's clearance. Yeah, I have a high clearance four-wheel drive and you're still like white knuckling like <laughs> looking at like the <laughs> angles to make sure you get it right. There's an easier route if you come kind of the longer way. Uh, it does take longer though, um, especially gas-wise. So anyway, so what's great about Summit Lake? It's a lot like Waldo in the sense that you've got this amazingly 
blue water. It's almost as clear as Waldo. There's also a bunch of great boating campsites similar to Waldo, and you can actually boat out and camp on the little postage stamp islands, which isn't allowed at Waldo. And so I really love that. But the thing that really hits you is that, you know, in Waldo, like the mountain peaks are kind of far away. At Summit Lake, Diamond Peak is like right overhead. And so for that sheer like photographic, awesome picture, Summit Lake is pretty tough to beat because it's just amazingly clear water, little islands, and then Diamond peak takes up like half the sky. You know, just the experience of loading up your boat, going out to the island, making your little camp there, you got your little kingdom, and then you wake up in the morning, it's like mist rising off the lake, and then the mountain right overhead. This is about as good as it gets. And there's a ton of great stuff to do around there. Like we said, it's a base camp for climbing Diamond Lake. But Tipinagos Lake is just down the road, which we have camped at before. And then there's hiking trails to Lake Indigo Lake and a whole ton of really good stuff just in this one area. And I don't think it gets a ton of use compared to like Waldo Lake. So it's sort of a, a quieter little area. And look, if I had just like one or two days and I got to choose between Waldo and Summit, probably do Summit for the shorter trip. Cool. All right, Francisca, your fourth pick. So I actually looked in this book, Historic Oregon Names book, for this. Couldn't find any info on Joe Goddard's Old Growth Trail. (laughs) I looked up Joe Goddard. I looked up Goddard. Nothing. No info. So the book failed me once. (laughs) No information about this online either, but it is really cute. Um, (laughs) It is a half mile loop trail, so super short, Mm -hmm. but it's near Oak Ridge, uh, near the Black Creek Trail Head, which is um, also known as the Lillian Falls Trail. Um, And it's just really cute, short little area where you can see really old trees, you know, 450 to 700 year old Douglas fir, Western red cedar, western hemlock, and Pacific yew trees. Um, But yeah, couldn't find any cool history information or anything about this trail. But it's like, it's a great outing for, um, you know, if you have small children or people visiting Oregon for the first time who want to see those really big trees. And you're like, okay, where do I go to like show them this? Mm -hmm. There's a big variety of different types of trees just right there on that little half mile trail. Yeah, and you see, it sounded like you can link it up with and make it a longer hike if you want to. Um, well, the, the yeah, the Black Creek Trailhead is just right down the street, probably like a mile or half a mile. It's it's really close. Um, so yeah, if you wanted to do some more hiking and see Lillian Falls, you could just drive right down there and and do that trail as well. I'm gonna remember that for yeah, because that sounds perfect for for kids, especially it's like great. the two year olds like who want like. It's got to have some sort of awesomeness, like, in every square yes. foot. <laughs> and it does have that because it's so short and it's just packed with those huge trees. Oh, very cool. Yeah, and there's little picnic tables, too, and stuff to hang out. And there's a little creek. and it's how, really. How yeah. far outside of Oak Ridge is it? I mean, just ballparking it. It's not, like, an hour's drive no, or something like that. No, it's, it's probably, like, max 20 minutes. Okay. Max. Gotcha. Yeah. Those are also what I refer to as my favorite hangover hikes because, you know, you want to go out. Yeah. Enjoy sort of like, the nature. Yeah, look, you know, you did something, but you don't <laughs> want to overextend yourself. So those are perfect. All right. So now we're at our number five pick. Zach, go ahead. All right. This is tough. Um, my head says that I should talk about Oak Ridge's mountain biking trails because Oak Ridge is famous like not just in Oregon, but worldwide for its amazing collection of mountain biking trails. So I need to give kind this of, is true. I need to give some props to mountain biking. I've mountain biked there a little bit. I don't do it as much as I should because I tend to stay closer to home. I needed to mention that, but 
my heart is telling me that I actually have to pick my one of my favorite rivers in the state. It's one of my favorite rivers for any number of reasons. See if you can guess why. So here's the name of it. It is the North Fork of the Middle Fork of the Willamette River, which is 10 words and 14 syllables if you're keeping track at home. And the reason I love it is whitewater kayaking and fly fishing. Mm. It's beautiful. So it is actually, uh, it drains um, Waldo Lake. So the water is that clarity. And weirdly, like, you know, I'm one of those crazy people that kayaks in the winter. So I've got the dry suit on. Oh, wow. <laughs> and this is one of those um, rivers that you need it for because yeah. it's very cold. And so you do it in the spring typically. But what's different about it is normally you're in a shaded canyon. But for whatever reason, the positioning of this river lends itself to having the sun on you the whole time. And so you're just like, it's like kayaking down liquid glass, basically, wow. with really fun rapids. Um, if you're an extreme, like, real expert, there's uh, these places called the Gorge and Miracle Mile on the upper side that are class 5 plus, super difficult, very imposing. And then just below that is like a class 3, class 4 section that I really love. Very scenic, um, just amazing, amazing white water, just super fun. So if you were ever interested in getting into that sort of white water where, you know, you got the dry suit, you know, you got to be pretty good at it to, to, to get there. But once you can get there, this is like one of those places you're like, this is why I do this. Like, this is why I go boating when it's like 30 degrees out. Um, and so have to pick that one. You, it's right around the office covered bridge, which is a very scenic bridge in Westford, just outside of Oak Ridge. And there's a hiking trail there too. A hiking trail. I was hoping you would fill that in because <laughs> um, I actually haven't done the hiking trail. Um, and then I got to mention the fly fishing. So it's native cutthroat and rainbow trouts. It's fly only. And it's just one of those things. Like if you're camping out there, you get your dry fly rod and it's sort of like a river's run, a river runs through it sort of experience. Uh, tell me about the trail a little bit because I don't I don't know it that well. Um, well, there's multiple sections. I forget how many miles total it is. Um, it's definitely a longer trail, so I've done it in multiple sections. Um, and you can easily, you know, you can start at the covered bridge. Uh, that's like the first section. Um, lots of mountain bikers yeah. do the whole thing, obviously. And that trail is nice if you're kind of newer to mountain biking, too, because it's not real technical. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's nice because I would say a lot of the mountain biking trails in Oak Ridge are very technical. Uh, lots of downhill, you know, kind of mm -hmm. rocky. Um, so that's one of the more mellow ones. Um, but, yeah, a really nice hike along the river. So, again, if you're looking for one of those hangover hikes... <laughs> Start at the cover bridge. It's just super mellow. You get the river, the views, super awesome. And I think if um, I, I haven't done this because I've only done it when I'm camping, but people, uh, you know, you put your fly fishing gear like into your backpack mm -hmm. and then you hike down and exactly. stop the little places. And that's a, that's a good and day. It, that trail has a lot of those places where you can just stop, hang out. Um, fish. Not, I see that a lot. Not really a swimming hole kind of no. stream. It is <laughs> super cold coming from Waldo Lake, and it tends to move pretty fast, like mm -hmm. even even in the height of summer. Um, so not not swimming holes, but fly fishing, whitewater boating, and like the spring and stuff, and mountain biking. Yep. All right, round us out with your fifth pick. Okay, so I am choosing the Middle Fork Willamette Trail. So this is not the same trail because <laughs> it's not the North Fork. Couldn't they have come up the with like? Fork. Couldn't they have come up with better names for like these instead it's of just like directional a things? Confusing. Like the yeah. Emerald Fork. 
of the Willamette <laughs> River or like something like that. But instead, it's like or middle the, north or the Timpanogos Fork or yeah. something. Because this actually comes out of uh, Timpanogos Lake. So it is a 31.7 mile trail. So um, and it goes from Sand Prairie Campground all the way to Timpanogos Lake. Or you could do it the other way around. You could start at Timpanogos and uh, hike all the way down. Uh, lots of mountain bikers, you know, shuttle this trail and do it in one day. They just um, start at Timpanogos and ride down and then they pick up their car and head home. Um, but I wanted to talk about it because it is a great, really underrated, short little backpacking trip, um, especially in like early season mm-hmm. before everything else kind of melts out and you can get into the high cascades. This is a really great one to two night trip if you wanted to. Um, and it's super, super remote. Um, the Forest Service just did a bunch of work on the trail and they rerouted sections that frequently get flooded in the spring by the river. And then one of the things I just love about this trail is the diversity of the landscape. So if you're starting at Sand Prairie, you kind of go through like a really marshy, sandy area, hence the name Sand Prairie. <laughs> and then as you start climbing in elevation, you get, you know, go through these beautiful madrone forests. Um, grassy meadows, wildflowers. And then as you get further towards Timpanogos Lake, the woods start to get really thick and mossy with like, you know, the ferns and the undergrowth. It's just absolutely stunning and uh, super wild. Like I said, I've seen elk there, uh, black bear, as well as cougar. So it's it's pretty awesome. That sounds great. How's yeah. the, how are the little campsites? Like, are there good established campsites along the way? You can tell where the established campsites are. And this hike is actually on my website. Um, and I do put little tent markers where there, where I saw that there was established um, sites. And right, like, you know, right along the river. Right along the river. Most of the hike is right along the river. So, you know, plenty of water and that kind of thing. So is it swimmable or is it the same kind of like too cold? No, it's the same sort of thing. No, super. And it's, it's a big river too. It's it's rushing quite fast. So no, I would not swim. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's, it's the headwaters of uh, the Willamette. Like right. the, the, like it's, the lake is considered the official, I guess. I mean, yeah. headwaters of uh, of the Willamette River. So it's it's fun to see it at that mm-hmm. place and be like, wow, this is eventually going to become that you know plodding right. green, you know, polluted <laughs> thing that's going to roll through Salem. So that rounds out each of our experts' top five. Obviously, it was probably something you guys left on the floor after making decisions. Anything else you want to mention to round it out? I was going to mention, I mean, we talked about the snow shelters um, in our podcast on like winter recreation at the passes. We kind of got into that a lot. I like the the three-sided shelters, especially the one at, uh, on Fuji Mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's cold, but not as cold as you would think. Yeah. And the views are, are really interesting. It's just, it's a different kind of experience. Um, yeah. So the three-sided shelters, there's a ton of them all mm-hmm. around the Gold, Pass. Gold Lake Snow Park too. There's there's a whole bunch of them over there. Um, again, the mountain biking, don't get mad at us, mountain bikers, like for not like extolling the virtues. Um, I love mountain biking. I just don't do it as much as some of the other stuff. Same. So uh, it's great for that. That I think kind of does it. There's Sawtooth and Cowhorn Mountain that are right above uh, Indigo Lake. And I don't know. That's I feel like we covered a lot of mm-hmm. the, the best stuff out there. Yeah. Any, anything we missed from your side? 
we covered waterfalls. You know, there's a, there's a lot of hidden waterfalls, I would say, in, in the Oak Ridge area. You know, Salt Creek obviously being one of the main ones. We mentioned Lillian Falls. That's one of my favorite little hidden gems. Um, and then Pool Creek Falls is probably my favorite hidden waterfall. It's like less than a mile round trip hike. Oh, cool. Again, a wonderful hangover hike. <laughs> Although it's very steep. You'd be surprised how steep less than like half a mile hike can be. Uh, but you get to this waterfall. It's absolutely stunning with this like cave behind it. It's just breathtaking. Oh, that that would good. be one of my little hidden gems that I like to talk about. <laughs> all right. So thanks for joining us. Um, you want to give a quick plug for all your social media and your website? Sure. Um, yeah. So you can find uh, hike and backpacking information on my website, hikeoregon.net. That's also where you can find my book, 52 Hikes for 52 Weeks, in the Central Cascades and Coast and Willamette Valley area. And um, my Instagram is hike.oregon, and then I'm hikeoregon on YouTube and Facebook as well. Yeah, the Instagram page is great. I enjoy it. Oh, Every day you. you're great about updating it, <laughs> and I'm always like, oh, I do post cool. six it, times a week. <laughs> yeah, it's one, of those, it's one of those pages that, I mean, you can tell, like, when people, like, update it and like there's just good ideas all the yeah. time so that's uh, thank you <laughs> definitely a good one so one thing to mention we hit a ton of places here on this podcast so we're going to go ahead and include links to a lot of these in an article that will be on statesandjournal.com slash explore go ahead and hit up that if you want to look for some more information and because we're of course heading into the winter season we also have a bevy of old podcasts that are now coming back into season well, one of the ones that's been popular and I get asked about is the Redwoods one. Uh, so just a reminder for any new listeners, we broke down just about everything you need to know about the uh, ancient Redwoods, both on the Oregon side and on the California side. Gasp. I, I know. I used to live down there, so that place is uh, you know near and dear to my heart. Um, so that is a good one to pick. And uh, the winter recreation on Santium and Willamette Passes. We also broke down very specific frozen waterfall hikes, snowshoeing trips, the history of Hoodoo Ski Area. So that's another one to think about checking out. All right. Thanks for listening. And make sure to subscribe uh, anywhere you find podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Check out previous episodes at statesandjournal.com slash explore.